Okay, all of you already heard a little bit from uh, Rabbi Bamberger because uh, we had that voice note that explained to us who Rav Aaron Shachter was um, uh, prior to visiting uh, Rav Aaron Shachter. Just to, uh, to give a bit of a sense, I had the special suppose over the three years that I was in uh, Lander College to spend a few hours every morning sitting, uh, sitting right next to Rabbi Bamberger. And I got to see a sort of a front row seat into what a, an ideal mashkiach of a yeshiva should be. Because it's a very difficult job. Because on the one hand, you have to be a tabakacham, otherwise the rebbeim don't respect you. On the other hand, you have to be someone who's a pikeach to understand the problems that uh, the talmidim are having and to understand how to be mechazik them and learning and uh, to understand the ruach of kalachad ve'echad to be able to guide each and every one of the talmidim who are coming from a variety of different places and different madregas and, and at the same time to continue your own spiritual growth and achievement and accomplishments and uh, it's, it was uh, w- one of the great uh, special zuchuyos of, of my life to be able to see that from, from close up and to continue that, uh, that kesher and that, uh, that friendship uh, even, uh, even after I'm no longer in Lander College and it's, uh, it's a very big zuchus for us that Rabbi Bamberger made the shlef to be able to, uh, to share with us some Divrei Torah uh, and, uh, this, this evening. And uh, I just want to express Hakar Satov to him for, uh, for making the effort to be here this evening. It's also a great schuss for me to be here, um, to be in the base medrash that Leibowitz's uh, ruach permeates, and uh, the steiging that I just saw in the last 10 minutes uh, really speaks to your commitment to Tyra, but it also speaks to your Rebbe's uh, amazing hashba. Uh, I too, when Rabbi Leibowitz was in Lander, it was uh, an amazing experience. Um, to get to talk to him in learning very often and and Sichas Kulin, Tamid Chachamim, that's him, not me, and um, and we miss him. We miss him greatly in Lander, uh, and uh, it's not the same without him, of course. But uh, uh, Baruch Hashem, Klal uh, Yisrael is the beneficiary. So Rabbi Leibowitz did mention that I uh, I made the shlep. It's true, I did make quite a schlep. I drove out here, my daughter came with me, she's sitting in the car, hope she's okay. Um, but we made a three-hour uh, journey uh, with a lot of traffic, and then, uh, um, and I came up here really, besides to see my, my good friend, and to share some Tyra, I came here to share a single Rashi with you, just one short Rashi. And if I presented properly, then I think the whole trip back and forth is worthwhile. It's a Rashi in this week's parasha. I don't know how many of you have a Chumash in front of you, but it's Kedaita, if you do have a Chumash, to open it up. It's in Perak Aleph and Devarim, Devarim Aleph Chaf Beis. It's a very nondescript Rashi. I, I didn't see any Mepharshim say anything about this Rashi, but it just, as I was being Mavrisedra this week, it just like struck me that I think there's a tremendous chiddush that Rashi is teaching us, and it's so nageya to every one of our lives. So Meshra Abenu is giving Musa to Kal Yisrael, and he's saying 
about the Miraglim. And he says that let's send men in front of us to spy out the land and they'll return word, they'll give us some uh, we'll debrief them, we'll find out what's exactly taking place in Eretz Yisrael and let's find out the road on which we could climb up What's the road that we're going to be able to ascend to Eretz Yisrael? So Rashi says, Ein derech she'ein ba akmimus. There's no road that has no crookedness to it. But what is this Rashi saying? What does it mean? So if you look in the Maral, in the Gorariye, he says that what it means is that they, they didn't have ways in those days. They weren't able to see exactly what the what the straightest path to get into Eretz Yisrael was. So I'm sending out Meraglim, I'm sending out uh, spies to be able to determine what's the straightest way to get there. I don't want to go on a, on a, you know, on a snake path to get into Eretz Yisrael. I want to try to find the way that's the straightest. And there is no road that's perfectly, that, that has no crookedness in it. And so let's find the road with the least amount of crookedness. Let's find the straightest path that we can find. There's no perfect path. There's always going to be crookedness. But let's try to find the, the path that's the smoothest, straightest path to get into Eretz Yisrael. That's the simple understanding how the Maral understands this Rashi. I wanted to perhaps look at Rashi a little bit differently with the Musr Daher with a Musa approach. The Pasuk is saying that we want to find out what's the way that we could ascend? What's the way that we could steig? What's the way that we're going to be able to grow? That's the existential question that we are all asking ourselves every day. How do I steig? How am I going to succeed in learning? How am I going to succeed in life? How am I going to be a uh, a Talmud Chacham, a Ben Taira, a Bal Musar, somebody that is responsible, somebody that's a good person. How am I going to do that? Where am I going to be able to, to find the Derech Asher Naleba, the path that I could ascend on? And Rashi says, you know what the path that you'll steig on is? You know the way to be able to ascend to the Yala Bahar Hashem? Ein derech she'ein bak mimus. The knowledge that there is no road in life at all, that there's no akmimus, that there's no crookedness. There's no such thing in life as a straight path. If you're looking for that perfect path to ascend to the promised land of your life, it's not going to happen. Only once a person recognizes that there is no path without crookedness. Every path has crookedness to it. As soon as that person understands that, now you have the key to steiging. Now you have the key to ascending that mountain that we are all desirous to climb. Once you realize that there will be crookedness in my journey, in my ascent. You were yesterday to see the Rashib of Chaim Berlin. It's a tremendous book. <coughs> And Rav Huttner was his rabbi. He was a Talmud Mubak of Rav Huttner, the great Rav Huttner. 
Asher Mipimanu Chayim. Rav Hutner was Mamish. If anyone ever studied, a lot of you I heard are in Shalabim. I know Rabbi Waxman is very into Pachet Yitzchaks. And uh, it's, it's very, very, uh, it's beautiful Torah. Beautiful Torah. There's nothing like it really out there that I know of. And he has a letter. The best svarim of the Pachet Yitzchak is really, there's a volume of Igor Siksavim, the letters of the Pachet Yitzchak. And there's a very famous letter in which a Talmud wrote to him and confided in his Rosh Hashiva that I am very, very depressed. I thought I'd be a gadol, but I messed up. Now, we don't know exactly what he did. It doesn't really matter. You could pick your own... Uh, you know, garden variety of Averis that you want, that you could think that maybe he did, but he felt very, very uh, despondent that he would not be able to be a goblin. He thought himself as being on, the, on that path. And all of a sudden he found Akmimus. He found that there was a, that he fell, he stumbled. He, he found a little bit of a crookedness on his journey, and he was very, very hurt and very uh, disappointed in, in his own, how could I do that? And Rav Huttner writes him possibly the most famous of all Rav Huttner's letters. And he says the following. He says that you are making a very big mistake, and I'm disappointed that after being a Talmud of mine for so long, you don't understand this. But he says people make a mistake, and they think that the only way that you become a Gadol is by sitting al menuchais, by sitting on, uh, you know, on a, I'll just paraphrase, I'll just modernize it. You know, you sit a poolside with a pina colada in one hand and a, uh, a rebchayim in the other hand. And that's the perfect, when there's a perfect situation that everything is fine in my life, I have no tension, I have no problems, I have no averas, I have no, no nisyayness, everything is perfect. That's when <coughs> I'm going to be able to shtike. But the second that anything gets a little bit out of order in my life, that, then everything is tossed to the wayside. I can't do anything. Rav says that it's precisely when a person stumbles and falls on his way that he's perhaps closest to attaining his godless because we only learn about ourselves and we only learn about how to prevent future averis through failure. Failure is the best Rebbe in life because it teaches you how to succeed. If you never failed at anything, that's not a good thing. You need to fail at things in life in order, to, in order to shake you up a little bit and to say, okay, this is not the right thing for me to do. I've got to change. I've got to improve. Rav Huttner says something that I think he got into a little trouble for because I saw once uh, like an editorial in one of the Israeli newspapers that took this letter to task because he said something that was, I guess, maybe like the third rail of, uh, you know, in, in Eretz Israel at least, he said that, who knows? He says, everybody, like, lionizes the Chavetz Chaim. The Chavetz Chaim was Kaddish Mirechem. He was holy from birth, and he was... And he says, who knows? He says, who knows how many stumblings the Chavetz Chaim had to go through? How many challenges? How many, perhaps, violations of Shemir Salashim he had to have in order to, in order to become the Chavetz Chaim? He didn't just... It just didn't fall on his lap that he was perfect. He worked on himself. And that's what made him great. And they didn't like that because you don't mess with the Chavetz Chaim. You know, Chavetz Chaim is a different a league of his own. But this is what Rav Huttner says. said that the Chavetz Chaim himself had stumblings. 
And those failures were what made him the Chavetz Chaim. And then Rav Hutner says the famous line about the Pasuk and Mishle that we're all familiar with because there's svarim about it, there's songs about it. Sheva Yipal Tzadik become. A Tzadik falls down seven times and he gets up. So he says, the Tipshim, the fools, understand this Pasuk when they learn and are saying that, oh, a tzaddik is resilient. He falls down seven times, but he still manages to dust himself off and get up and continue his journey. He says, that's wrong. The Chachamim say, you know what it means, this Pasuk? This Pasuk means that precisely because the tzaddik fell seven times, that's where his kima comes from. His ascent, the ability for him to rise and to grow and to become great, comes precisely because he fell seven times, but then he was able to learn from his mistakes, improve on his ways, make resolutions, make Kabbalahs, but grow. I want to just touch on a few points where this is Nagea for B'nai Tyra this concept of never giving up. And a lot of times we want to give up. A lot of times we're not as matzliach as we thought we would be. But this vart, to know that every road has crookedness, that's part of life. Life is not a perfect road. If you think it's perfect, then you're not in life. Life is a lot of challenges, a lot of nisayinus. But those nisayinus don't in any way derail your journey. They are, are the journey. When it comes to learning, I mean, I'm sure this is, if you're Masmidim, I didn't know what Chavra I was speaking to, but I see that maybe this is not Sonageya, but a lot of, a lot of Bachram and Yeshivas, I don't think it's a secret, they feel a lot of Yish. They feel that I'm not Steiging or my friends are doing so much better than me. And I don't know, I'm at this age, I don't know this Tysis, I don't know this Gemara, I don't know how to make a laning, I don't know how to chazer well, I don't have a system of... So there was a Bachar in Eretz Yisrael that was very depressed because he felt that all his peers were, you know, they always got the Rebbe, the Rebbe's Kasha, the Rebbe's Teretz, the Rebbe's, the whole Shear, and they were, they understood it right away. And from the Marmachimists, they were able to construct already what the whole Shear was going to be about. And he was like feeling, you know, very low about himself. And to the degree that he really wanted to just leave learning. And his Rebbe took him to the stifler. And because the stifler was the first and last address of any Ben Tyra that had any issues. The stifler made time for him. And the Rebbe explained to the stifler that this boy is, uh, you know, Marashara, he's like very depressed, he's very uh, despondent, he feels he's not steiging. You know, he's taka a little weak, but he, you know, he's still a good boy. He's learning. He's trying his best. The stifler looks at him and says, I want to tell you something. I am willing right now to take a shvua dairaisa. I will take a, I will swear on a dairaisa level that when you are learning, you, with all of your challenges and with all of your hardships, with all the difficulties, when you're learning, HaKadosh Baruch Hu in heaven shushes the malachim. He says, I don't want to hear any singing now. I don't want to hear any talk. I don't want to hear any praise. I am listening to Chaim learning. HaKadosh Baruch Hu never gives up on us, and we can never give up on ourselves. 
any challenge that we have to our learning is the Sahara. If we think that we're not learning, the Stipe has a famous letter, he says, he says that people, it's all gaiva, that we think that we have to be equal to our peers. Everyone's different. Everyone's different. And I find that generally the, the boys that are the weakest sometimes, but they try hard, they're the ones that are very matzliach. I had a boy in Yeshiva Talmud years ago in the early years of Lander, and I wish I had brought it, but not him, the, what I'm about to tell you. But he, um, the, uh, he, he, when he came to Yeshiva, he came from a Balshuva Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael, he did not know what side of the daf was Rashi and what side was Taisus, let alone how to read Rashi and Taisus. He was the weakest boy in yeshiva, but he came to everything. He was the first by davening an hour early, trying his best, learning whatever I gave, whatever the other rabbi gave, Sher Klali, Shabbos, Yandav, he was there. He was always in the zone. And, and then he got married. And then he moved to Eretz Yisrael. And a couple of years later, maybe seven years later, I got in the safe or I got in the mail a package from Eretz Yisrael from him. I said, well, it's so nice that he sent me a safer. You know, you could feel already in the package. It's a safer, like a very thick safer. I opened it up. I said, well, that's beautiful. And he inscribed it even to me. And then I opened the Sharblat, the front page of the safer, and it has his name on it. Within a short amount of time, within eight years, this boy went from not knowing anything to writing a very chash of a sefer on Isr Veheter with haskamas from all the G'dayleh Eretz Yisrael. I don't know how he pulled it off, I don't know how he did it, but there's never a way to be miyayish because if you think that you're not going to be matzliach, you're wrong. The Torah is different than any other studies. If I'm not good at math, I'm probably not going to win a Nobel Prize for mathematics. There's a very slim chance of that happening. Torah is very different. Torah, if you apply yourself and you give it your all, and you daven for siyach d'shmaya, you will be matzliach. The stipler said in that letter, he says, every amud gemara that you learn is hatzlocha. Every Rashi, that you learn even the smallest Rashi's, and you know, and you understand, your chazer is hatzlocha, taisis hatzlocha. So when it comes to, when it comes to learning, you should never, ever be miyayish. Don't expect a straight, smooth path. And if you have any difficulties, understand that that's all part of life. That's the derech asher nalaba. I want to share with you a story about davening. Davening is also, a lot of us have yish because when we daven, then we don't feel like we're matzliach, we're not, we don't have kavana, and we know we have to have kavana, you know, for the pirish hamilim, for the first bracha, and, and, and that we're aimed with for the entire Shman Esrei, but it's very hard. I mean, you know, you only remember that Reb Chaim, like when you're up to Mechayim Mesim, you don't remember it by, uh, by the first bracha, right? The Yitzhara gets you every time, every time. So listen to this story. I, I, am I, like, very late already? No, 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 how much? You can. Okay, good. So, um... Listen to this, really, what you're going to love this story. There's a, you know, do you know Barry Gavron? He had children in DRS. So, two boys in DRS. So, this, he's a Talmud of mine, the, the father. He comes to my shira on Wednesday nights. He's a wonderful person. And he grew up in, in Boston, in Brookline, and uh, Brookline, Massachusetts, where the Rav lived. And he davened in, in my Maimonides school, which is where the Rav used to daven. Um, every Shabbos, and, uh, and he said it was an amazing experience. It was amazing. Every Friday night after davening was over, so the Rav was escorted by like a whole group of, 
of these brilliant people. You know, they're all from MIT and Harvard and Boston U, and they're all, you know, doctors and lawyers, PhDs, professors, and they were like escorting him, and like they were talking about and then uh, there was a point that as they were walking, you know, when when. One person got to his house, he said, good Chavez, he, he left. So at one point in this road, and there was like these curvy hills to get to, it was a very tony area that they were living in, and, and at one point, it was just him and the rub every Friday night. He walked the rub, the last leg of that journey, to a house on the top of a hill. And he told me, I hope this isn't much now, but he said that, he says, what did I know? I, I never really knew what to talk to the Rav about. You know, here's this t- towering giant, and I'm escorting him home. So we spoke about an Irish guy. So I was majoring in, in high school in girls and sports. That's all I knew about. I didn't know, I didn't know from anything. What am I talking to the Rav about? So, you know, now he has charat, and now he's a bentera, he's learning, he's studying, he could talk to him about anything. But at the time, it was, you know, he grew up a very, very, you know, he says, there's one conversation that I did have with him because I was trying to like draw out of him, like, tell me something. You've got to give me something. So he said, one time he was walking with the Rav on a Friday night, and they stopped like in front of the Rav's house. And he said, he says, there any, the Rav asked him, is there anything you want to talk about, maybe religiously? He says, there's one thing that bothers me. He says, the davening, I, I don't have kavana. He says, every time I try... I try to have kavana and I can't have I can't muster any kavana. Just like poof, like my my whole brain just freezes and I just by the next thing I know I'm making Isashalom. Like I'm not able to well, what do I do? So this is the Lushan that he remembers the Rav saying to him. I have the same problem, he said. If I have proper kavana, even once out of a hundred tefillas, I feel as if I'm doing well. It's an amazing thing. You know, you think, you think that... I heard, the truth is, I heard from Rosh Hashanah Zalman Arbach. I didn't hear from him. I heard shame him that his Kabbalah for Rosh Hashanah is he's going to try to have Kabbalah in the, in the first bracha of Shemayin Esra. It's a hard thing. It's a very hard thing. Don't feel bad if you're not able to muster Kabbalah. You should try. Obviously, we all have to try. And if you're able to be Metzliach and you don't understand what I'm talking about, then, then you're very, very uh, good. But... Never think that it's an easy path. There's a lot of resistance on every path in life that's worthwhile. <coughs> if it's Tyra, if it's Tefillah, there's always resistance, but that is what makes you great. When you fight that resistance and you work hard, that's exactly when you're going to taste what godless is. There's... Of course, the, the most deadly type of yish that we feel is the yish that we feel when we do Averis. And, you know, whatever your Avera is, whatever the thing is that you feel guilty about, there is reason to say, okay, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing well. This isn't good. I have, I have a, lot of, uh, a lot of challenges in certain things, and I, I feel like I'm not a Bentaro. So, whatever you do, whatever you do in life, you have to always remember that Kedush does not want people to feel guilty. Guilt is good a little bit. If you can keep it very, you know, you have harata, that's okay in a very small amount. But more than that, 
Revolvi writes in a letter that he has a Kabbalah from the Chazaynish. And I always tell the guys to take this letter that I show you and shrink it and keep it in your wallet. And when you bring it to Shemayim if you ever, ever have problems. Because there's like certain Averis that I'm not going to discuss. But Averis that, if you look in the Svarim and the Musar Svarim, you know, it tells you basically you're finished, you're fried, you know, Ganem and terrible things. So Revolbi writes to a boy that was very plagued by these fears, and he said that I have a Kabbalah from, from Chazanish, and it's money in the bank, he said, that if you did that Avera, and then you feel bad that you did it, but then you go and learn Besimcha, you learn Tyre Besimcha, he says, there will be no trace of that Avera in Elamamis. Aye, but the kids of Shulchan Aruch and the this and the that, you look in these farm, you want to, you want to... I don't know. The Chazen Ish said not that way. That's not our Messiah. The Chazen Ish said that you could just feel bad a little bit so that you don't repeat it and you learn from mistakes, but then you go on and you shtaig and you, you're happy to learn. You learn with a simcha. That's the greatest kapara, he said, in order to atone for that Avera. I once went to a, a Talmud of mine. He had a brother that had a lot of issues, a lot of difficulties in life, and he died young. And I went to the Levaya, was in Borough Park. And I was sitting next to the Talmud throughout the Aspedim, and he was very broken. And one of the Maspedim said that he got a letter in the mail just a few weeks before this, this person died. And it said that he was like learning, he wasn't like really so firm at the time, but he was learning and he says he was very inspired by Ashrei. For some reason the capital, you know, the well, Ashrei was something that, that he felt very close to. And that was it, it was, there was no elaboration, but it was just trying, they were trying to show how he was, he had still like, you know, some Jewishness to him. And I didn't understand why, you know, what was special about Ashrei. This is a true story. So I was walking, from, from the, the funeral home in Borough Park, and I was walking past uh, a Yid's house. I was walking, like, to my car. There was an old Yid that was getting out of it, coming out of his house with a cane, and he tripped. He was a chash of a Yid, like, from the, you know, the Amalog Yid, like, the, the old-timers. He fell on the floor, and I ran to get him and to pick him up, and he was muttering something while I was picking him up. And I listened to what he was saying, and he, he kept saying, Hashem Baruch gives support to everybody that falls. And I felt like this was a, like a sign, like this is what Asherah did for this person. When you're falling in life, you have to realize that HaKadosh Baruch is always with us. HaKadosh Baruch never abandons us. HaKadosh Baruch is constantly with us. He's helping us. He's supporting us. He's being time with us. But a person has to remember that, even in the darkest of moments. Even in the darkest of moments, a person can never have yish. You always have to remember that HaKadosh Baruch is there. Don't give up. You can never give up on life. Everything has to be with a simcha, with a gishmak. You have taira. You have tefillah, you have rabbeim, you have, you have your shamayim. There's so much. It's so geschmack to be a yid. But there are hard times. There are hard times in life. 
But even during the hard times, that's maybe when we could appreciate most our efforts and our, our resolve to be great. Tisha B'Av is, is just a few days away, and Tisha B'Av is itself something that speaks to what we're talking about. Because Tisha B'Av is the, the darkest day of the calendar, it's the day that everybody can't wait to be, have behind. Nobody wants to fast. Nobody wants to sit on the floor and say kindness. Nobody wants to cry. Everybody wants to just move, move to Shabbos Nachum already. But Tisha B'Av is really a day that has greatness in it. The greatness of Tisha B'Av lies in the fact that we are at such a low point and from the lowness from the Sheva Yipal Tzaddik, we know that there's going to be a, a tremendous chemo. Every time that somebody I meet tells me that they're depressed about something, I say, if you had a bad day today, you should just wait and brace yourself because tomorrow is going to be great. Today was just, uh, you had to go through whatever you had to today, but HaKadosh is going to give you such bracha from those clouds. You're going to find such rain and such gishmei bracha that you're going to be so happy tomorrow, Mitzvah Hashem. Tisha B'av is a day that is going to be a yantif. That's why we don't say tachin on Tisha B'av. Tisha B'av is a day that we're going to have one day a yantif on Tisha B'av. It's going to be a tremendous yantif. Tisha B'av is the day, the Arizal says, that Mashiach was born on Tisha B'av. Mashiach's name is Menachem, and that is a uh, he is the Nechama. Mashiach will bring the Nechama. The Nechama comes from Tisha B'av. Any time that we feel low, you should know that Yeshua is about to arrive. And I think that's the Pshat in this Rashi. The Rashi that says, What's the way that I shlai? I want to shlai. I'm not, I feel like I need to shlai. What's going on with me? So Rashi says, Ein derech she'ein mimas. The way to shlai is constantly remember that there's no path in life that's perfect. There's no path that's straight and well-paved without any cracks, without any bumps, without any way to fall. You're going to fall in life. It's inevitable. If you're human, you're going to fail and you're going to fall. But anyone that is successful in life will tell you that the only way they became successful is through many, many failures. Sometimes you see a guy who's super successful, he's multimillionaire, and you think, wow, this guy's really lucky. You speak to him a little bit. Ask him, like, if it just was like the first time that he tried a business, that he never, cannot never, unless he inherited the business, it never happens that it's the first time. He failed, he went bankrupt, he borrowed and, and he owes money to 100 people and then he paid it all back and he found another way to do it, a different, and he became successful from his failures. Failure is the secret to success in life. It's the stepping stone to attain that journey to the promised land comes through the failures that we have. We don't brag about our failures, but if you're personally ever experiencing either past, present, or future, any form of akmimas in life, you should know that that's the derech asher na'alevo. Thank you very, very much for your time, and should uh, all to have a, uh, a meaningful tainus and Mir Hashem, this tainus should be one that we uh, that we celebrate as a mayed. It should be converted to nepach l'mayed l'yam taivim, and alano l'chayisrael. We should be zeichet to be together in Yerushalayim Abenuya. Amen.